is the Rejoicing in the Word podcast, coming to you from the capital region of the Susquehanna Valley. My name is Josh Hamilton, and with me today is Pastor Brandon Starnes. We want to welcome you to Season 2, where we seek to carry the light, and we hope that you've followed us on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash rwmen. We'd love for you to message us, share it, like the posts for the quickest updates that we put out. Also, make sure you check out the memes, the verses, the quotes, etc. that are up there. And while we're talking about Facebook, new thing for Season 2 this year, we're going to have giveaways at the end of the season. So, in order to get put in the drawing for the giveaways, go to facebook.com forward slash rwmin, like us, follow us, and then message us your email. We want to put you in a drawing. And then at the end of the season, we're going to pull a couple, uh, a couple, we're going to draw a couple times and pull a couple names out. And we want to be able to mail you, mail you one of these giveaways that we're having. So we're excited about that. And we hope you get excited about it as well. You'll hear us talk about it uh, pretty much every episode till the end of the season. So also check out the blog svbcpa.org forward slash rwblog. Also, if you need a direct link for the podcast, remember we're available on all major podcast platforms, but the direct link svbcpa.org forward slash rwpod. Pastor, you had something you wanted to tell us about the blog. Why don't you share with us a little bit more about the blog? I know a lot's been going on since season one and season two. Fill us in. Yeah, well, one of the, uh, probably the biggest thing that we did is the intervening time that we had off, we did a 31-day blog for the month of January. Now, it's directed primarily towards the ladies, uh, written by my wife, but I do think it'll be a great encouragement to you. It's 31 days of renewal, and you can find that by visiting the Facebook page. You can scroll down there. You can also uh, get an encapsulated version on the blog site, which is subcpa.org forward slash rwblog, and you can find some of that be an encouragement to you. Absolutely, Will. All right, we're in the throes of Season 2. It's very exciting for us, particularly with our upcoming missions conference. Uh, if you hadn't gotten the chance, go back and listen to our series introduction there. We want we share, We took some time, a few minutes, and just shared what topics and what things we expect to cover in this new season. We just got done sitting down. We uh, took some time and covered between the two of us what we're going to be covering here in season two. So we have a great group of topics here to fill and to talk about. And we're just excited, looking forward to having some special speakers on. I guess you call them guests with us here. And also, in case you missed it, during season one, season two, the period in between, we put out two specials and they are interviews with missionary Joseph Marshall to Australia, Brisbane, Australia. Part one and part two are up. So make sure you check those out. And they were just a great enjoyment to be able to do the podcast and have him on. But we think they'll be an encouragement to you. So as each year of, uh, each year comes about, we have Bible memory passages. Pastor, why don't you talk to us a little bit about what those are this year? and kind of how they fit yeah. into the podcast today. Yeah, over the last few years, and probably at least the last uh, eight years or so, we've had a, a corporate effort here in, in, uh, in our church to set about with Bible memory. And we've done a number of chapters 
if you allow us to count the book of Jude, we were able to memorize that as a church family. But in any case, it tabulates to about 40 verses uh, that we engage in. And we primarily do this on Thursday nights and on Sunday school hour on Sunday. But in these verses, we cover a, a number of things. This year, we're coming out of Matthew chapter 5. And of course, that's a tremendous passage where it talks about uh, the light of the world. Uh, you are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that you may, they may see your good works, glorify your Father which is in heaven. And so the light there uh, that is mentioned in Matthew chapter 5. And then towards the end of this year, our focus will be on 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In second chapter, or rather the fourth chapter of Second Corinthians, he talks in verse number 3 that if your gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom, verse number four, the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And, and our kind of our theme for this season of podcast and, and ultimately for our missions conference as well will be carry the light. And, and the focus on that word light, you can see in the passages that we cited there, uh, the thought about the light and uh, its equity to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But that brings about a number of verses that we could just easily recall. I, I think of uh, Philippians chapter 2. Verse 15. Yeah. That you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Now, as we look at because we're going to be defining some terms here. Yeah, and that if I, just back up to verse sure. 15 there where it says shine as lights in the world. The picture there is that almost of like uh, almost like luminaries. Like you, you are a reflection of the bigger whole. And, of course, we have the light of the gospel, and you and I are participants in broadcasting that. And, and be that a number of different images that you find in scriptures. It might be sowing of seed or planting and right. things of that nature, but we have a responsibility to be about the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, then, and that brings us to that point that over the coming weeks, there'll be some terms that we'll be using quite often. Right. We want to define specifically two terms today, and so we're going to define, whenever we talk about missions, what yeah. what, is, what are we talking about? Uh, the other thing we want to define is what is the gospel? Because we're going to be talking a lot about, we're going to use that word a lot, the gospel, we're talking about missions, and so we wanted to find those terms for you today as we as we look at carrying the light and as God puts forth so plainly for us our responsibility yeah, to when do we that. Get, when we get into the gospel, that's, of course, not a controversial term at all, is it? <laughs> There's a lot of different viewpoints on what the gospel is. Missions really is the carrying about of the gospel. It's how you engage in that. And so there's really a, a tremendous conflict in the hearts of many as upon the topic of what the gospel is. And it should be very important um, because understanding the New Testament, if one misses the gospel of Jesus Christ, they could miss eternity with him. Right. That's the thought of it. And there's many gospels, even in a, a Galatians chapter 1, Paul talks about even if an angel of heaven was to come uh, and teaching another gospel. Uh, so there's many Gospels. I, I would touch on just a couple. I, I think in the, I don't know, late 1800s, early 1900s, you get the idea of a social Gospel. We as a country were shifting. People were living a gregarian society of farming. And they there's a 
there's something of a technological industrial boom. And, you know, you could, you could leave the rural, uh, agricultural area and you can move into the city. You might maybe got, went up to Detroit and you're working on an assembly line. And, and so these cities just literally exploded. Uh, and as such, it, it brought great difficulty. There was some, um, filth and, and debauchery that was present. There's, there's obviously, um, uh, the idea of debt that is carried on. And so those folks theologically came forward, the idea that preaching the gospel included an attempt at trying to fix man's deepest problem through charity and through justice. And that if they did that, uh, then salvation would come and ultimately bring them, those that had just received this gospel, into the, the knowledge and presence of the Almighty God. Now, I, I we're not obviously against helping folks uh, in our community, even those without Christ, that's not the point. But when we deal with the gospel, I think in the New Testament, you could not say that a social gospel is the preeminent gospel that is spoken of. Sure. Yeah. What's another one? I, I think another one that would be relevant to that would, well, even really relevant to today would be almost of a political gospel. Right. I was in conversation with a pastor in another country, really, and um, we were talking about American missionaries going to this country. And he said one great difficulty that he's noticed is American struggle because when they come to this country, he said, they so badly need to give up some of the American mindset. Right. Uh, you're in a different country. And sometimes when people look at missions, they can be under the misunderstanding that the gospel is not a political gospel in the sense that we're not attempting to bring about an expansion of the U.S. or even Western values right, yeah. to another region. Uh, I'm not trying to make people Democrats or Republicans. That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, we'd be remiss if we wanted to trade a Western mindset instead of preaching a biblical mindset. One renews the mind. The other one can have a tendency in some regards to confuse the mind. Sure. And, and then... Yeah, and then tapering those together, you get to that last one uh, that we were talking about earlier, and that was really a financial gospel, eradication of poverty. So would you say like philanthropy? Yeah, okay. I, th I think so. And, and again, not speaking about, you know, in our area, we've had uh, over the many years a number of people that have uh, given greatly and helped society. Now, right. not all of them did it for some type of spiritual end or eternal value. Uh, but one thing that you could say is, be it done at the personal level or the public level, uh, no society has been able to eradicate poverty. Uh, you know, in the 1930s, we have the New Deal uh, with uh, Delano Roosevelt. In the 60s, you have the war on poverty. And here we stand, you know, uh, 60, 70, 80 years removed from that, and poverty is present. I'm reminded of the words of the Lord, the poor will be with you always. Yes. And so the gospel isn't about just a financial thing. Well, and I think about people, and Lazarus is just the most obvious one that comes to mind. He was a saved gospel man. Luke, yeah. Saved man was, we have record that he was with the Lord in heaven, but um, he was not a wealthy man. No, he wasn't. Not in the slightest. No, he wasn't. And equally, the opposite side of that coin, there were individuals 
Uh, I think of Jehovah's Arimathea in the Old Testament. I think about Abraham that are people of great wealth. Yes, and they are saved. But the end goal of missions is not to say, hey, if you'll believe this, you'll be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Right. Uh, I think there is a prosperity gospel that is often preached that if we'll just believe some truths of scriptures, God's going to bless us with all of the great wealth that we could possibly have. Of course, I, I think of of uh, Romans chapter 8, the predestinated to be conformed to his image. Right. And the theme there is, is suffering. It's mentioned several times there. That's counter, or I should say conflicting with the idea that everything is going to be just wonderful and peaches and cream. No. Uh, we've got to understand that the true meaning, or we have to understand what the true meaning of the gospel is. Right. That takes us to a passage here, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And let me just read that here because the gospel is not nebulous in scripture. The Bible, God through his word clearly defines this. And so that's where we want to look today. First uh, Corinthians 15, one through four. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. If ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So we find from that passage and other ones too that there's a purpose for the gospel. Uh, there's a great need for the gospel. Yeah, and that the gospel as a whole deals with the personal work of Jesus Christ. Death, burial, resurrection. Uh, so when you look at that, you, you don't talk about wealth. That's not the essence of the gospel. Right. When you look at these verses, you don't see, um, you know, the social element of the gospel come forward. What you have is the death of a sinless Christ, his burial and his resurrection, and subsequently later his ascension into glory. That's the essence of the gospel. And the question would be, why would a sinless God need to come to earth to die. Hmm. And I think that's something that separates the religions of all the world. Man does not have to move far in this life to know uh, that, and I'm, I'm, being, I'm, I'm being relative here in one sense, that the God, right, because right. he doesn't know him personally yet, the God in heaven that lives there and dwells there and himself are not on equal footing. Uh, for eons, it seems, Humanity has been about coming up with some pathway where him and God could could dwell together. Commune might be a good word. Right. And it, it always involves, in the ancient days, it was involving some type of labor that you did. You're right. going you're gonna to bring baskets of this or lots of this or make this sacrifice, etc. It's all focused on what you could do. Yes, but in the scriptures, and you see this in Hebrews chapter 11 as well, the essence is faith. The reason we need a sinless God that died was buried and rose again, is because the great purpose for that sacrifice, which is the very essence of the gospel, is the fact that all of humanity is under the wrath of God. My actions, both those that were passed through me by my desire to sin and my continuance in those things, they've caused me to come short of the glory of God. Romans right. mentions this. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so that's like all. Right. Oh, that's everybody. It's pretty inclusive there, um, since that's the word of the day. Um, God, the Lord Jesus, came into the world 
to save sinners. This is what Paul is speaking of in Second Timothy. And then in Romans 5, 8, we would find that God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died yeah, for us. And Paul's there when he says he commended his love towards us. Oftentimes, we, we, we fail to realize what we were before salvation. Right. I mean, in Romans chapter 5, he's, he lists a number of things, and they're not flattering either. He'll, he'll talk about the fact that, as you just quoted that verse, we're sinners. Yeah. I have transgressed the law of God. Earlier, he cites us as being ungodly. I'm opposite of what he is. Right. And then, previous to that, he refers to us as the very enemies of God. Now, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I don't fashion myself in my mindset to be the enemy of God. But those are some reasons by which the wrath of God abides upon us. And I need to be delivered from that. And the fact is, Isaiah put it this way, all of my righteousness is filthy right. right. There's nothing I yeah. could do. Um, if I was to pay for my sin debt by death, that would not bring reconciliation with God. It wouldn't allow me to have that communion I want to have with God. Right. Uh, there's nothing that I can do. And so then there's the great promise of hope in Second Corinthians chapter 5, that he that knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteous of Christ Jesus in him. Hmm. And that's the work of salvation that occurs. He paid our debt. We, by faith, receive that gift. And now he has declared us justified. The righteousness of God abides upon us. I'm transformed. I am, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, a new, crea- uh, new, new creature. creature. Old things passed away. All things become new, yes. So speaking towards the, um, you just mentioned about those things that we we often try to do, or speaking towards there are things that we cannot do because we're, we need yeah. to be reliant upon the work of Christ. What are some misconceptions about salvation? We want to talk about a couple of them. Yeah, and I, I again, you know, folks say, well, let's, what can I do? What should I do? What do I need to do? The, the fact is there's a lot of thoughts about misconceptions about salvation. I think one of them would be like the idea of universal salvation. Okay, so just because I'm alive and all I have to do is die. He died for all the world because I'm a member of the world. He died for me. Yeah, the only thing I've got to do to get heaven and to get uh, communion with God in one sense is to die. It's universal. Right. Everything's going to happen. But that's unbiblical in so many different factions. It doesn't require faith. Hebrews 11 tells us that's the only means by which we please God, by faith. Right. It doesn't uh, say anything about sin condemning us. It does not. It doesn't need any element or focus at all on any forgiveness. It does not... Uh, at all mentioned the possibility of somewhere of, a, of us residing somewhere other than heaven. And I'm speaking obviously of hell and later the lake of fire. No, that's mentioned. And so obviously universal salvation, just because I'm part of uh, Adam's race, as it were, that doesn't guarantee me any right. hope of salvation. Right. I think of another thing, you know, our spring outreach is going to be coming up here soon. We're going to be going around engaging people, uh, speaking to them, asking them some questions to get their their minds thinking about the work of Christ. And one of those things that they'll be asked is, are you a member of any church? And oftentimes people are, oh, I'm a member of this church. Or, I'm, or that's And that's what they're relying upon. And that would even talk about another, bring us into another well, misconception. Well, you know, back when when I was in Bible college, I'd go to the local university there and I'd, I'd knock doors there. We'd talk to people on the street. 
And a lot of folks, they just stop you before you can even get into the gospel. And they'd say, I'm Jewish. I'm Catholic. I'm filling. And, right. and so there's this idea that as long as I am part of some type of, re- I'm Hindi. Right. Organized religion. Whatever it is, then I'm good. Me and God are good because that is the gateway to pleasing him. Right. And you go ahead, but I, cause I think you know where you're going with this, but it's that kind of a twin sister to that religious portion. Oh, yes. People just rely upon either their religion or the fact that they go to a church or the fact that their family is a member of a church or, and there's a lot of that. And that, that's a lot of misconception. I, I know we talk to a lot of people and that's what they're relying upon for their salvation. Whenever you ask them, you know, how do you know that you're going to be spending eternity with have in heaven with the Lord? Oh, well, you know, I do these things. Yeah. I go, I go to this church. You know, I'm a part of this assembly. Yeah, and part of keeping with the idea of looking at the misconceptions because of its ecclesiastical, that's church or religious, you know, is the, the teaching of the sacraments. Right. You know, and that, that happened for many folks when they were, you know, before they knew how to voice any words, they were taken in the type of church and they were baptized as a right. little infant. Yeah, a lot of people rely upon that. And told early in life, you know, because you were baptized, you and God are good. Mm-hmm. Um, because you went through confirmation, because you took the Holy Eucharist, um, it might even be because you're married or because you're married to God. Uh, you know, I'm thinking about the priest there and all, uh, because someone received last rites. Yeah. All of that brings about salvation. But again, that's all foreign to scriptures. Right. Well, it goes back to our verse, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's right. It's Ephesians chapter 2. And there's so many other misconceptions, I think. Uh, sometimes folks will uh, will say, well, I, I prayed a prayer. And mark you, there's obviously prayer is that portion involvement in, in bringing salvation. You confess, you receive. But there are some that think that just because they read a prayer, almost like a script or something, that that somehow brought salvation. That's the only thing they needed to do was recite this, and boy, it's finished. Right. And the fact is, You've, you've got a lot of folks in life that really don't possess salvation. Likely, if they are saved, have no assurance and have a great wonder and mystery in their heart. You now, know, it's really a travesty yeah. considered when, when you search the scriptures and find out what salvation God has allowed us to partake of. I, as we're talking about this, I think just such a large portion of mission work, whether it's you know, to those who are around in your hometown or whether it's these missionaries that we're supporting and praying for, they're dealing with people who have misconceptions. Yes. Sometimes it's misconceptions about what salvation is. Sometimes it's a misconception of just the fact that they have a need. Well, in Ephesians chapter 2, you cited verse, I don't know, 8 or 9 just a moment ago where he talks about you're saved through faith, not of works. But when you go down through the first three chapters of Ephesians, Highlight what you have in Christ Jesus. I think in chapter 2 and maybe verse 1 or 2, he talks about he hath quickened us. He's made us alive. Verse number 2, that we walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of God, or the prince of the power of the air. We were enemies. Yeah. Uh, and then he goes on and there, we, we in these time past, fulfilled the lust, uh, the desires of the flesh and the mind. And we're by nature the children, verse number three, of wrath. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you fall down, but God's rich in mercy. Uh, even when we were dead in our sins, trespassing sin, he hath quickened us together by Christ. By grace, you are saved. 
And he has raised us up together yes. and made us to sit together. And then in place. verse 8 and 9 that you quoted, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And the great works that accompany salvation, the fruit come in the next verse where his workmanship. Right. But yes, just as you said, the missionaries that we're going to engage in, this is, this is a tremendous part of making disciples the cause of Jesus Christ. And so that, that brings us to this point then, when we refer to the light and the gospel of Jesus Christ, what is it? And just for a singular definition, we might would say something like this. It is the recognition that Christ came into the world to save humanity, that he alone paid our debt, our sin debt, and that by faith alone we must receive this good gift of God to be saved. And then back to that term of missions, right? one that we use often here, that missions is the preaching of the gospel to the condemned of Adam's race, wherever they may be found. USA? Or Uzbekistan. It doesn't matter how far you want to go. The gospel is the same, the Christ is the same, and the method of salvation by faith is the same. Let's close out this episode with a verse from Matthew chapter 5. Matthew five fourteen. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. And verse 15, Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. And then verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. And so with that, we want to conclude this episode. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to coming back to you again in the next episode.